When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to today's episode of Talking City. I'm Rich Fay. I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Simon Bykowski. Yes. Bykowski. And Cheeseman. 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 Yeah, I think I've got that just about nailed. I think (laughs) you've been here every week really helps that. Si, you're back for the second week in a row. Nice to have you. You've become quite accustomed to the uh, podcast world of us, aren't you? I wouldn't say accustomed, (laughs) but I'm I'm learning every day. I'm putting the work in and uh, hopefully it's paying off. That's nice. That's spoken like a real, <laughs> a real youth prodigy, aren't you? <laughs> the Talking City podcast. Um, there's only one place really to start today. It's we had a weekend to reflect on it. The Champions League draw last Friday. When you were here last week, we said we didn't want an English team. You've only gone and jinxed it, Jeezy. What, what do you make of the draw? Well, when the draw was made, it felt a bit of an anti-climax, I can't deny. Um, partly, I suppose, just the old-fashioned thinking that because it's European competition, you'd really rather have a European team. Yeah. And that's before you even bring into it who the opposition are. The fact that Liverpool know City so well, the fact that um, Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola went head-to-head in Germany anyway, so they know each other well. The fact that it's only 30-odd miles down the road, the fact that there's this intense rivalry, the clamour for tickets is going to be different. All those come into it. Um, the fact that Liverpool have beaten City already this season in one of the two league games, albeit that City also, uh, since people seem to forget that they did hammer them yeah. at the Etihad. So it would have been eight four in aggregate if you want to put it that way. Um, that it, it does it does add you know extra factors to the whole game. But I'd have still rather um, the English not not just City but English teams would be kept apart. But we know that's not the rule, so it is what it is. And an English team will be through to the uh, semi finals of the Champions League, which I suppose is one of the positive things for for our game in this country. But um, you know it, it does certainly um, mean that. From a fan perspective, the stakes have just gone up because if you go out to Real Madrid, if you go out to Barcelona, I'm not suggesting City are going to do this, by the way, but if you are beaten by a really good Barcelona, a really good Real Madrid, a really good Bayern Munich, you sort of take it on the chin and walk away. If City go out to Liverpool, that will be a lot harder to swallow uh, than it might otherwise have been. Um, So... Yeah, not exactly the uh, the fixture I would have chosen for a myriad of reasons, <laughs> therefore, but uh, it is what it is, and uh, thankful the second leg's at, at the Etihad, which uh, I, would, I prefer that than going to Anfield for the second leg, um, so what will be, will be. Yeah, and City's home record, other than that, a defeat to Basel, they hadn't lost in over a year at home anyway, so you'd say they've maybe got that slight advantage, like I said, the second leg always helps in front of the home crowd. Um, it's interesting what, what Ian said there, inside that, City maybe have more to lose in that game against Liverpool because they are so far ahead in the league. Liverpool can maybe go at it thinking, well, all we can do is give it our best shot. Maybe that will encourage their approach a bit more to, to come for City. Yeah, I think it is a bit lose-lose for them because, I mean, they, they beat Liverpool 5-0 and people are saying that game doesn't count because <laughs> you can as soon as you boot a keeper in the head, then yeah. uh, all bets are off, it seems. So if Liverpool come and and beat them, then it will be City's season sort of spoiled by the, the Champions League yeah. defeat. But if um, they win, then they might not get the credit 
that you know they they deserve for it because I don't know a, a ball might fly past the keeper in the wrong way or something, and they might be uh, extenuating circumstances behind them beating them. But yeah, it's it's not the best draw because they um, Liverpool are one of the few teams to beat them this year, but. They have shown that they're a lot better than Liverpool across 38 games or 30 games so far. So it, it shouldn't be be out of their reach to do it in two. I think it'll be interesting to see what they do in terms of planning for the game. Because Champions League, you get used to, um, certainly this season, they've flown the day before games, done the press conferences and then they've stayed <clears throat> um, the day after games and trained um, in the Ukraine or Italy or wherever they've been, they trained that morning. Whereas with it being Liverpool, you'd think they'd just go there and back on the day. Whether that's a plus or a or a con, but it'll feel like a different kind of. It won't necessarily feel like a Champions League game. Um, whether that is to their benefit or not, I think it could be a benefit in the fact that City maybe don't have so much experience in the last stage of the Champions League that they could approach it more as a, another Premier League game that they've already excelled in already this season? I don't think that's going to make a lot of difference. I think the more interesting factor is that City play Everton uh, before the first leg. They play United in the middle yeah. of the two legs and they play Tottenham just after it. And those are three games that will be challenging. I mean, another league is pretty much done, but would be challenging games anyway. And um, certainly, I mean, I'm, I've just written a column for this week's paper and, and the thing I've been talking about is that the irony of the fact that for the last two or three years, maybe, perhaps longer, United fans and United's hierarchy have talked about how our real rivals are Liverpool, they're yeah. not Manchester City. And yet this season now, when this is all over and done with, I think City fans, the City hierarchy, etc., are all going to look back and say, well... Who were the big challenges to City this season? Liverpool, not United. Um, does that mean that it, it's the new? It, you know, I wouldn't quite go as far as the way that United used to build it as a, this is our derby. <laughs> but nevertheless, um, you know that Manchester derby in the middle of the two Liverpool games suddenly is different. I mean, I've I've been chatting to a lot of people on social media and, and asked the question about you know do you rest players now in the Manchester derby? Because you know it, we've been building up to this Manchester derby for weeks. Is it going to be the day that City win the league? Is it going to be the day when the Guard of Honor happens? And suddenly now it's sort of I've, lots of City fans, not all of them, but lots of City fans have been saying to me, "Put out a B team, uh, put a few youngsters in. The derby doesn't matter. The league can come on another week." In fact, Pep even preempted it all before this draw was made by saying something like, "It doesn't matter where or when, as long as it's done." Um, it's as if he knew what was going to happen, mm. and suddenly the the derby does it. But yet there's another fact: a whole tranche of City fans will say, "Hang on a minute, this is the Manchester you derby. Yeah. derby. You can't one. ignore yeah. this derby." But you know, do you? I mean, we know that Liverpool have got Everton in the middle, so in in a sense, you Both might argue they've got the same dilemma. <clears throat> but I'm not sure. It's, it's hard because if you ask um, before the start of the season, nine out of ten would say. League over Champions League, definitely. But the way it's come about when you've it's got the fact that league, you are it? going to win the league, whatever, do you go for the Champions League? I don't know. I mean, we've sort of had these hypotheticals before and then City have gone out and like won the first game 5-0 and it doesn't then matter. You can yeah. afford to play a strong team in all three, so that might end, end up happening. But 
I mean, as much as Liverpool have challenged City, have they really? They've not challenged them in the league. Yeah. City's loss at Anfield was City's downfall rather than Liverpool being... I mean, Liverpool took advantage of the chances they had, but City nearly... Yeah, but... City played badly, to be honest, for most of the game. They nearly snatched a draw at the end anyway. But even when Liverpool won, you didn't say, oh, Liverpool might win the title yeah. now. You sort of said... Yeah. You know, kind of the only game maybe when Liverpool were challenging was before they lost 5-0 to them at home and... Kind well, of I can't. I can't speak for all City fans, obviously, but but I do sense that there is, and, and I and I go along with this view that Liverpool are the only Premier League team this season who've shown no fear. Yeah. Certainly in the second game, yeah. not so much the first game. But was, as you said, uh, Simon, you know the first game was slightly different. Although City were leading one nil at the point when Mane was sent off, so they'd already got the ball yeah. rolling metaphorically. Yeah. Um, but. Liverpool are the only team who, who actually went at City with real belief and really scared them. And I know City got a couple of goals later on to make it 4-3 and I certainly don't want to put City down no. and, 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 and be, you know, sort of, uh, well, you know, they really got well beaten that day. They lost 4-3, that's a fact. They got two late goals, they didn't give up, that's a fact. But Liverpool, if I'm being really honest, did deserve to win that game and did win that game. And maybe... 4-3, again, if I'm, I'm trying to be honest here, and every City fan will agree with me, I thought 4-3 slightly on that day flattered City yeah. because I thought those two late goals were when Liverpool had won the game and it eased off slightly. Now, it showed a great spirit by City that they kept going, but if this was the same situation in the Champions League first leg and they got to the stage where they were a couple of goals ahead, I don't see Liverpool slacking it off like that and allowing City to get two, away, two more yeah. away goals. So, of all the teams that, uh, you know, if it had been United, if it had been Spurs, if it had been Chelsea, <coughs> and if it had been Liverpool, who City could have played, talking about purely English yeah. opponents, the team I would have least wanted was Liverpool uh, because of the fact that they were brave and went for it. Because we've seen United, they, they play cautiously. Tottenham can be a little bit, you know... Erratic, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. you know, sometimes collapse or whatever. Chelsea are having ups and downs in the season. So I wouldn't have been as worried about about those, but I, I still think that Liverpool, of the English opponents they could have faced, and, and it's easy to say because they're the only ones through apart from City, but not just on that basis. They would have been the toughest that City could have played from their own country, so... I don't think there's fear in Liverpool. I don't think there'll be fear in Liverpool. The, the fact that they are the only other English team through says a lot about them. And I think, like you say, certainly looking at it at the minute, Liverpool have got the the clearest identity, which is why they're being seen as the main threat to City going forward. I think this this these two games will be a good test of of how how strong they will be next season and whether because at the minute we're building Liverpool up a lot and saying how good they're going to be and I think this game will be a good marker to see see where they're at because you saw with City last at the back end of last season there were there were signs that it was all coming together and that then developed over the summer and built into this season so it'll be interesting to see how City cope with them. Yeah, I think you touched on that as well. Both sides when when they did play that four three, their vulnerability was their defensive sort of shape and when a team attacks them, that's when we've seen City struggle this season, that's when we've seen Liverpool struggle this season. First leg at Anfield, what do you think Pep Guardiola's approach for that first leg will be? I don't think there's any way he can approach it other than the one armor way he approaches it. But you're absolutely right, Rich. The the the, the point is that 
United are, are quite prepared to, to you know to defend. And we're talking cliches, and I don't yeah. want to go down the part of the bus route, but they're a lot more cautious in the way that they play. So City can completely dominate possession in the way that they want to. If they'd gone toe to toe with Barcelona, there would have been a, a battle for possession. Arguably, but although Bayern might play a little bit that way as well, they're a bit more adaptable. But I think City's whole style is based on dominating possession and being on the front foot and putting the other team under pressure. And so that's why I think they're more they have been anyway yeah. more vulnerable against Liverpool because they also play right on the front front foot, <laughs> the front <laughs> foot, and. Uh, and, and the reason why both clubs defensively look weak is because of that approach. Right. It's, not, it's not about personnel per se, it's about style. Only my opinion. Yeah. So therefore, if Liverpool believe in it and really go for it, that's why I think City would have a, a bigger challenge against Liverpool than they would against others, where they can be patient, keep possession, try and pick them off. You can't, they, they can't do that and won't do that against Liverpool. I think it'll be... Two teams that will be playing on the front foot going for it. Unless Liverpool do something when I expect him, mm-hmm. I certainly don't see City doing something different. I think one key personnel change, not to <laughs> rain all over your parade. <laughs> rain on it by all means. I think one key personnel change from January will be Vincent Company in for Stones. Whether it was a foul uh, on Stones in the for the second goal from Liverpool. For me, it was that. Yeah, um, debatable, but... I think we've seen in the last few weeks, um, cup final, Arsenal away, um, that Vincent Company and Otamendi are the go-to pair. And I think if Company is fit, he will start alongside Otamendi at Anfield. And I think that could make um, a big change in keeping City sort of firm at the back. Because Stones, as good as he is, or as good as he has been earlier in the season, has still not come back to top form. No. And it's interesting that you said one person change. There could be another as well. Mendy's back in training now. Um, he's getting closer to a return. There's no specific date as such, but still all just touching wood really to see what, what happens. Um, when Mendy is back to full fitness and he feels ready to go, does he go straight back into the first team or would you retain Fabian Delph, especially for these big Champions League games? Or Zinchenko, arguably. Yeah. Um, Delph's obviously had injury problems himself. Um, I, I wouldn't be... Surprised if Mendy didn't feature at some point against Everton in the game before the Liverpool match as a sort of test as to how far he's come. Now, whether he starts him, plays him for an hour, or whether he brings him on for the last half hour or last 20 minutes to sort of say, right, you've been training with us now for a month. Um, You think you're ready, we think you're ready, but come on, let's see you doing now in a proper match. And maybe the decision on whether or not he then starts at Anfield whether he's ready to play such an, an important game is made after that, that match. That, that's how it feels to me. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know whether they might rest him a bit a bit more. Um, it just seemed very odd because the club website put out quotes from him saying the Manchester Derby is a realistic aim and for him to come out and question sort of the validity yeah. of those quotes seemed a bit, well, pretty unprecedented as far as I can remember. And then Guardiola saying, of course, he'll... He needs time and he's time to recover. So I don't know whether they might kind of leave this block of fixtures and then ease him back in. But it's World Cup year. He needs to show he's got worth to the France squad. So I'm sure he'll be itching to come back as soon as possible. But at the same time, um, you don't want to bring him back too soon. And does he come back and does he play three at the back like they were when he 
I don't know. Do you think they go three? It's possible. I mean, that's arguably why Laporte's coming, isn't it? To play on the left-hand side of a three. Yeah. Um, and I think originally the plan might have been, obviously, company's fitness was an issue, as to whether he played Storms in the middle of the three, Otamendi on the right, Laporte on the left. And I'm going to sneeze in a minute. <laughs> um, and, um, and at the moment, as you quite rightly say, companies seems to be the go-to um, defender, and I can't argue with that. Um yeah, maybe. I mean, again, I don't want to sound in any way negative, but Mendy came in and played some games, and and but he didn't play many. He looked great in those games, admittedly, but those were games generally against weaker opposition, I would say. Um, and since then, um, you know, a bit a bit like uh, you know James Dean, who played, who was in two films and has become this mega star of for the rest of uh, of existence because he died so young. I'm not, don't sound gloomy I'm not talking about <laughs> death here, but but the point I'm making is Mendy didn't play that many games and in the in his long absence yes. from recovering from injury, there's a danger that in our minds we're starting to think he's the answer to everything. Exactly. And he's pressure. a wonderful player yeah. and he's perfect and when he comes back everything's sorted. Because we haven't I, I'm not I've not seen enough of him yet to actually know that that's the case. You know I know we said the the 5-0 over Liverpool was comprehensive, but there was that one. first half was a bit creaky with uh, Salah on Otamendi and Benjamin Mendy not giving uh, Otamendi much cover down down yes. the left-hand side. And yeah. I think they have been a lot more secure since going to a four rather than a three. So, yeah, I, I see we all love Mendy and what he brings and it's clear that he's had a big impact on the squad even when injured but yeah, he still has to, a lot to show for himself. A City fan made a very interesting point to me only this morning about that Liverpool game and about how you stop Mo Salah. Obviously, Salah likes to cut in from the right-hand side on his left foot. So, um, the suggestion from this fan was that Danilo plays at left-back in that game as a right-footed um, left-back with the sole purpose of stopping Salah cutting onto his left foot. And even though... Instinctively, I bet a lot of City fans listening to the, this would go, Danilo, <laughs> if Benjamin Mendy's fit and if uh, Delft's fit. And even Zinchenko, some fans would maybe put him behind. But it's yeah, it's interesting because we, we sort of noticed this season, I know we've touched on it past weeks, is when City feel like they're going to dominate the game and attack, that's when Zinchenko or Delft maybe plays. And when they feel they're going to be on the back foot, especially in Delft's absence, but when it's been between Zinchenko and Danilo, Danilo's played in those games where City have had to sort of absorb the pressure and it's going to be difficult. But also, on the left-hand side, the the wingers going to have to track back a lot to, to cover Mo Salah. It's going to be interesting to see that partnership on the left-hand side that uh, Pep Guardiola chooses. Yeah, but if you've got Sane as your left winger ahead of Danilo, you've sort of covered both bases because um, the energy that Sane's got, the amount he can get up and down, yeah. surely can then make up for the fact that Danilo may have a slightly more defensive remit in that game, especially at Anfield, to try and keep Salah quiet. So I can see some logic in that. Um, I don't know why it hadn't occurred to me, but there's a City fan who, who said that to me, you know, um, made a very good point. Um, but I, as I say, I think there'll be some City fans who'll think, in their ideal world, Danilo wouldn't be a first-choice starter in a big game like that. But Pep's so clever, a lot cleverer than, no disrespect to you two, but everybody in this room, you know, so he might come up with something like that 
that I wouldn't necessarily have gone as a, as a first thought on. And it might be something that Liverpool wouldn't be expecting as well, which could play into City's hands. So don't let anybody listen to this podcast no. on Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> I've been a bit surprised by how little Danilo has been used in the league, mm. considering he came as a... He was sort of sold to us as a player that could play in three positions. He could cover Fernandinho and he was out right back, left back. And he's kind of not been used that much and no. Zinchenko and Delph and others have, have come into it. But at the same time, he seems to have been used a lot in the Champions League and he's been used um, instead of Walker sometimes in the Champions League. And you forget that kind of he's won the Champions League for yeah, was, the last two years. I was um, going to ask, is, do you think having given the squad as well will give City that extra experience in that, in that game? That maybe reading the game, keeping calm? Yeah, if you're talking about players having big game experience and yeah. he, he does have it and he's been at, at Real Madrid and I think he could be more valuable than he often seems. Yeah, that's interesting. We spoke earlier about that, that game in, in the league when City won 5-0. It came down to that one moment, a reckless moment from Sadio Mane, sorry, when he caught um, Edison in goal. Um, there was a piece on the ESPN today talking about City... Uh, the FA are concerned by City's discipline this season. They've been booked seven times for dissent under Pep Guardiola across the well, season and a half, almost two seasons he's been in charge. They didn't get booked once for dissent in Pellegrini's last two seasons. A game like that in the Champions League, a bit maybe a rash reaction, getting a bit agitated by the referee's decisions. Silly bookings can cost you in a two-legged affair. Do you think City's maybe tenacity and extra fight under Pep Guardiola could almost cost them in these big games? Well, I understand the concerns, and Pep himself has said in a couple of press conferences says that you know when you're in these big games, you can't afford to play a game with ten men. Um, and Liverpool that day, I'm not completely of the opinion that the sending off was the decisive factor. However, it, it had an impact clearly, um, and you know they're already one nil down, and they, and they go down to ten men. It's never going to be easy, and City don't want to be in that position. So you're quite right to flag this up. And the fact that it's dissent, which is easily stoppable, or should be easily stoppable, is also slightly worrying. However, City have also, you know, you could argue, playing this very pretty football, which is beautiful to watch. But they have shown this season that there is an edge to them as well. And, and I, for one, have not got a problem with that. I mean, there have been challenges as well, that, that even though there's been a lot highlighted about challenges on City players like the Cardiff game and the Crystal Palace game on De Bruyne. Um, and I'm, I'm not saying that City players are repeating those types of challenges. However, I have seen in games, if I'm being real, really honest, some quite tough challenges from City players too. And the fact that they're sticking up for themselves and, and, um, and fighting verbally, as it were, with referees and opponents is part of the game. Whether you like it or not, they have to do that. And so, so therefore, showing that fight which they will have to show in the latter stages of the Champions League, um, is, is not necessarily a bad thing. And I'm not for one second saying that they should start diving or time-wasting, yeah. but you also know that when it comes down to fine mar margins in the latter stages of these big competitions, if you don't do what the other teams are doing, then you will get just brushed aside. You have to stand up and you have to, you know, you have to be prepared to... 
I don't I want to say play dirty, but but just be prepared to be a bit it's cynical. Feisty, yeah. Cynical's the word. Well, there's tactical it? fouls they refer to earlier yeah, in the season, weren't they? It's it, slowing the game down, keeping it at your own tempo. Game management. Yeah. You know, it, there's a few clips from the final minutes of the derby when Bernardo and Delph are kind of playing it off United players' shins or yeah. Walker the knocks the ball yeah. back when the ball boy gives it to him <laughs> and little things like that that, you know, just help you control the tempo of the game. And Guardiola has said a few times this season about wanting the ball boys to speed up at different points and I'm sure there'll be times when he wants them to slow down. That is all part of home and away advantage. A lot is being made of the fact that City have, is it one win in 36 years at Anfield? Yeah. And the first leg at Anfield, Liverpool will be really hoping that they can um, make take advantage of that and and come to the Etihad with a a, a first leg lead. But it's all about um, t- taking the the circumstances out of it and doing as much as you can to control it. City have been pretty good at playing on the line, but not over the line. Sometimes it boils over like at, at Wigan. Um, I think this City team have shown that they're horrible losers. They absolutely hate losing, and that's usually the sign of a team that wins more oh, often yeah. than not. And do you think maybe that's been Pep Guardiola's biggest change at City this season? It is this change in attitude that City now believe they are one of the biggest sides and that they can battle at any of these teams in the Champions League? I think so. There was a you had players like John Stones last season who didn't fully believe he could perform sort of what Guardiola asked him to do and you have the players I think there's a sort of a misconception that Pep would bring all the light side of the game because he's seen up as this purveyor of beautiful football that he doesn't have that that fight and that battle in him but the yeah the the later days of the Pellegrini era when you have players not even look like they were bothered and um, you can tell, you compare that to say Sterling's winner against Southampton and the way the whole team run down the touchline. They've really bought into the same ethos and it, it's definitely one team all believing in the same thing. Interesting what we said before about how important Mo Salah will be in that Champions League tie. But in terms of the Premier League, Mo Salah, Harry Kane, they're perhaps the two biggest rivals to City's own Attempt at winning or having a player of the year, player win the player of the year nominations. Kevin De Bruyne, he's this is remarkable. I know you don't like your stats, cheesy, but a bit of a barren spell. He's not had a goal or assist in five games. Kevin De Bruyne, disaster. Do you think that the recent performances of Kane and Salah could affect City's chances because they've got so much depth in their squad that maybe there's not one standout performer for City this season? Depends how the nominations work, and I'm sure you know better than me, Simon, how those work. I mean. I'd prefer it if if each club perhaps had a nominee rather than, you know, lots of seven, seven because you then split the vote, don't you? I mean, are we talking about the football writers um, one? I mean, which you be? I don't get a vote in that. The um, I think the PFA is kind of the. I think the players care more about yeah. the PFA. Care more about the peers than uh, how journal what journalists think of them. I don't know why, <laughs> but something like that. But yeah, so they care more about you, Sam. <laughs> what do you thought? Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can't vote for a player at the same club as you. So nobody at Liverpool could vote for Salah, and no one at City could vote for De Bruyne. Or is there a shortlist, or is it is it a, a no. free for all? Yeah. See, on that basis, you're right to to say this as well because 
because Silva's been playing so well, um, because De Bruyne's been playing so well. You've got Walker, and, Otamendi, Edison, Fernandinho. Yeah, yeah, that's the trouble. And Aguero. If, if, if the players at other clubs are actually thinking to themselves, uh, which I'm sure they do to a certain extent, whether they admit it or not, a bit tribally, um, then if, if you're going to vote for a City player, mm. then you're going to split your vote. If you're going to vote for a Tottenham player, then it seems like most people are going to vote for Kane. It's kind of like the Ballon d'Or when no Real Madrid players vote for Messi or like, the, <laughs> you, you like Eurovision it. almost where everyone yeah. votes for the neighbours. You know, do you vote tactically or do you, I think... Club politics comes into it. I don't think club politics does come into it. But, national allegiance maybe? Um, friend, well, you have to say Hazard has said he's already voted for De Bruyne and stuff, but Do you, think- you, you get tales also that people don't care, that like yeah. the one PFA rep fills in every every player's choice and then sends them off. Or So I, I don't know how much. I feel sympathy though, because even from a City fan perspective, it's difficult to choose between De Bruyne and Silva. Yeah. yeah. So, well, I mean, I've, someone who's not going to watch them every week and... Yeah, yeah. So, I've made the point that it's almost harder to say that De Bruyne is the best player at City than he is the best player in the league this season because <laughs> he's you know he's one of the favorites for the uh, the PFA player of the year and yet you would say that certainly the second half of the season I don't think he's been the best at City. Yeah, I, I, I don't dispute that. I mean you, I mean I don't, I, I don't like stats as you say but Nevertheless, you can feel that Kevin De Bruyne, while he's still richly contributing to City's performance, uh, isn't quite on it like he yeah. was maybe two months ago. And Silver is the man who's right there now. And traditionally, these Player of the Years, a bit like Man of the Matches, if you yeah. have a good second half of the match, you have a good second half of the yeah. season, that's when you win these uh, awards. So, in that sense, maybe David Silver would be the leading candidate for City at the moment. And also, like we were saying, if you stop. Salah, then you stop Liverpool. Well, if you stop De Bruyne, then you don't necessarily stop City. Yeah, I guess when you speak about players have the biggest impacts on, on their club seasons, maybe City players, because there is so much talent in the squad that even without De Bruyne, this City side would still be beating most teams every week. He's got moments of brilliance, and like you said recently, David Silva stepped up. We've seen Gundogan step up lately. We've seen Bernardo Silva step up as well. Um, another interesting point you spoke about in the Fantastic article on the website oh, site um, about Sith, maybe Bernardo Silva. You said he was brought in to be the heir to David Silva, but he's excelled so much on the wing. And Phil Foden's seen as maybe a more central option going forward. What does the future hold for Bernardo Silva? He's been fantastic over the last two months, maybe since the turn of the year. David Silva, Bernardo, and Gundogan have been City's three best players, I'd say. Yeah, well, I mean, the the point was that if you have Gundogan, David Silva, who's still pretty good and De Bruyne in the middle and maybe you have Bernardo um, Sterling and Sane as your options on the wing and maybe Bernardo is better going forward especially if you're going to bring Foden through in the middle I don't know what When David Silva first came in he was sort of billed and signed as a winger He's never turned out to be that way, although he can play in a yeah. wide position. And I wonder whether Bernardo Silva, who's always also quite a lightweight-looking player, um, given that he's at the same stage as when we were seeing David Silva play more wide, might be naturally just coming up to speed, if you like, in the Premier League, uh, with a view to eventually playing more in central midfield. Um, Bernardo Silva's definitely come on leaps and bounds in the last couple of months. It's been fantastic. And in fact, 
when you come in to select that team uh, to go to Anfield in the first leg and you're going to pick your strongest 11, I would argue that Bernardo Silva has to be in that, that 11 and that maybe Raheem Sterling, who at the moment, or certainly has been, um, you know, the automatic choice, isn't the player who starts at Anfield. And there are a couple of reasons for that. First of all, he never seems to play well against Liverpool and gets lots of stick. But Bernardo Silva also keeps possession better. And I think in these really big games, keeping possession, and especially in Pep Guardiola's formation, is crucial. And especially Liverpool pressing, looking to take advantage, looking to nick the ball away. You don't want to be giving the ball away too cheaply. Um, and while Sterling has some great attributes and assets and, and match-winning capabilities, um, so too, by the way, as Bernardo Silva, but he keeps the ball so much better, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think what Bernardo does better than anyone but De Bruyne as well is put dangerous balls into the boxes. It's kind of underrated how, how many goals for City have come from De Bruyne to Aguero in the box. And Bernardo has kind of covered the period. When De Bruyne has not been in the best of form in the last few games, that's not been missed because Bernardo has, has stepped up and he's got some some delivery on him yeah especially those balls that aren't necessarily in the corners but it's almost three quarters of the way up the pitch when the player whips it in behind the unsuspecting defenders and you've always got someone like Sterling or Aguero just reading the reading the balls off the last man also interesting we saw last season in the Champions League Bernardo part of the Monaco side who did very well in the Champions League last season he's got that big experience Sterling although the late goals have dried up a bit we know that he can get those sort of clutch moments at the end of games when City need him most I guess yeah, it, I remember um, Monaco away last season, City going with a two-goal yeah. lead and Monaco put Bernardo up for the, the pre-match press conference and we didn't pay very much attention to it because you're more focused on the English team and mm-hmm. City 5-3 up, you expect City will go through, you're busy writing your lines from <laughs> from City. and But I remember Bernardo absolutely... Just plain as day, just saying, yeah, we're confident we'll go through, confident we'll score two more goals on them, we can put them under pressure, we know exactly what we need to do and we're going to go out and do it. And and then, of course, they did. Um, and it, it's that kind of, that clarity, like we were saying with Danilo, it, he, he's still young Bernardo, but he's already got that experience in the bag and up against someone like Sterling, who, who's not got too many happy memories of Anfield since he left them. I think that might be the reason why Bernardo will start. Sterling would be an ideal sub in that game, yeah. wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah, I think not so. Not a bad sub to bring on, is no, it? Not you? at all. No, 20 not minutes all. left. Um, the last point we've got today, I mean, the excitement's build. I know you've been excited for weeks for this, Cheesy. England internationals this week. Who are they playing? Good question. <laughs> <laughs> Netherlands and Italy, four city players, well, three city players, and Joe and Joe Hart. <laughs> we've got uh, Raheem Sterling, John Stones, Walker, all three of them guaranteed their place at the World Cup anyway. Not too much to read into it. I guess the only one is when Fabian Delft gets back from injury, will he be in with a shout of the World Cup this summer? <laughs> Maybe, hopefully for him. I mean, I think um, Stones will be looking to get some form back in yeah. the England team, hopefully, and Sterling will be trying to uh, to hit top form. He's been a bit hit and miss with England, so whether he'll be shown the love by Southgate or be hiked off after 45 <laughs> minutes for Marcus Rashford, it seems to be one or the other. But uh, 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 does anyone care? Not particularly me. Not the thing, particularly the, cheesy. The thing about these games is that regardless of how 
passionate or not you are about international football, these are friendlies. Yeah, there's trials, aren't they? To... And I'm sorry, but friendlies, I don't care which sport it is, it doesn't even have to be football. Yeah. If there is nothing, no, no jeopardy, if there's nothing at stake, then it ends up being an exhibition game, which, nothing wrong with that. If you want to go along and watch these games... Well, they're not for me. Um, I mean, Argentina are playing Italy on Friday night. And mm. to be honest, at the Etihad, and if I'd have had the time, I might have gone along, I suppose, and watched. But if that had been a competitive game, be, I'd have been desperately yeah. trying to get a ticket to go. But the fact there's nothing at stake and that the players are just going to be showboating, really, and, yeah. and protecting themselves against any potential injuries, what do you learn? What do you learn from from those England players playing against whoever you said they were playing against. You don't really learn anything, do you? You know, oh, let's try three at the back, let's do this, let's Stones play himself back into form and all these expressions. Playing, yeah. But you you know you're playing against a team you don't care. Two teams who aren't going to the World Cup as well. So is it really a challenge anyway, or is it just a waste of time and a good way to get people to fill Wembley? I remember I think it was about three years ago, Portugal played Argentina in Manchester. It was hyped as Messi versus Ronaldo. It was one of the worst games I've ever seen in my life. Nothing <laughs> happened. It was so dull. It was so cold. Nobody wanted to be there. Let's be honest. I, you know, I, I keep hearing the adverts for this game. Like yeah. Italy against Argentina. Come and see Aguero. Well, we know he's not going to yeah. play. Mm. You know. Um, so, fine. If they want to do it, they do it. And uh, as I say, on a different day, I might have gone along. But as it happens, I'm going to a I'm going to a, a musical event on Friday night, so I won't be showing any interest in it. The uh, the, the good thing about it is I've stretching out these two weeks with sort of nothing but dull football yeah. and illuminating podcasts to get you by. There's then an absolute feast when you come back with Everton City, you've got Champions League, you've got City United and where they could win the league and Liverpool Everton in between. So but the Spurs game if not if it's not Spurs winning, game yeah. after that, yeah. And Spurs are at Chelsea I think on first yeah. of April. So there is a, a lot of very good football when when we come back. When we the come calm back. before the storm. Yes. And of course we've got, um, the, it'll be interesting to see when, well I say when, when City wrap that title up, as we were saying before, with City players. We've spoken earlier about how, in other podcasts, how Gundogan has been saying that they can't let the foot off the gas, etc. And even if City have won the league, we said before about the PFA vote, players are still going to be fighting to not only cement their World Cup places as well, but to, to ensure that they do finish the season on a high and can prove to get as many assists and goals as possible. Maybe, if you're going through all that statistic stuff. Yeah. But I think if City have won the league by a canter, so you're not buying to that they're still canter. in the Champions League. There's people who are, who are, are picking players for in, international call-ups for the World Cup are not going to be going, oh, against Brighton on, Tuesday, on that <laughs> Tuesday night, you know, uh, Aguero looks a bit off form or Silver looks quite, you know, no, no, nobody's going to, you know, football people are cleverer than that, aren't they? We hope so, anyway, don't we? We'll have to wait and see on that PFA vote. Uh, yeah, I think as well, you've got the, you know, the, the best in the game, people always look for a way to knock them down and the Messi yeah. can't do it at Stoke, kind of <laughs> school of thought. Yeah. And Guardiola has had some seasons before where he's wrapped the league up early and not done so well in the Champions League after. And I think, you know, talk about will he rep play a weak team for the derby. I think he'll play strong team for all three games and try and win all three to sort of make another point and remind people why he's just so good. Yeah, we've seen that this season. He's only really played weaker teams like three or four times. Two of them win Champions League games that were City's qualification was already secured and the other one Carabao Cup games, which were sort of bonus games anyway, so... Guardiola didn't seem too bothered about those. I think the only players that may be rotated 
as, when it comes down yeah. to it, our company. It, it, I can see company now not playing until the first leg at Anfield yeah. mm-hmm. and then playing in the second leg as well and not playing in the game the between. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. And I can also see David Silva and Kevin De Bruyne as being two potential players who, even if they play in all three games, um, that, you know, may, may, may come on as subs in, in the derby, for example. Um, you know, and, and they may try and win the derby without them. And, and if we're talking about Gundogan replacing David Silva for one of them, and um, yeah. you know, the port coming in for yeah. company, you know, you're not in theory not weakening the team that much. I mean, City won the first derby without needing Aguero for any of it, so mm. there's plenty of talent in that squad. There is. Just need Lukaku to set them up again. Wait and see for that. Um, it's been a pleasure to have you both here today. We'll be back next week. Who knows what we'll be discussing then? We've got some ideas on our head anyway. We've got some, got some good ones down on paper. Ian, thank you for joining us again. No problem. And Sai, thank you. Thank you. Make sure to subscribe to Talking City on iTunes and Audio Room and stick with us at the Manchester Evening News for all the latest news on Manchester City.